I'm Sophie Reed, dweller of the city of Philadelphia and producer of the 20 by 70 podcast. And before you ask, no, I'm not loafing on a Caribbean shore. Those beachy sounds you heard there, waves gently lapping, hammocks swaying in a warm breeze and margaritas flowing freely emanate from none other than Philly's Delaware waterfront. I'm here in Spruce Harbour Park in search of that not-so-elusive beast, at least not in Philly, the Millennial. Turns out we've got a fair few of them kicking around. Spruce Harbour Park is a magnet for young Philadelphians with its craft beers, boardwalk and relaxed vibe. In its third summer, the pop-up park is a prime example of what draws young college graduates to our city. It's fun, colourful and free to hang out here. Plus, it's a sign of how Philly is shaking off its industrial past and repurposing its riverfronts, a fledgling city for the 21st century. But I was curious, is it all about frolicking around on hammocks or are there deeper things that attract millennials to our metropolis? And is Philly doing enough to make them stick around? What drew you to Philly? What first attracted you to living in the city? The music scene was the first thing that brought me to Philly, and I'm into a lot of the arts, and that's pretty much the culture here. Well, I moved to Philly because my now husband got a job here. There's something really unique about Philly that's like, it's very casual, and there are so many young people here, and it's like, I feel like it's more of like an alternative scene, kind of, that I I really enjoyed. I loved how you kind of get the big city feel but still kind of have the small town feel as well people are really nice you have really cool local things to do like this a job so you came here for work do you mind me asking what you do uh yes i am a teacher what if anything do you think in the future would drive you away from philly or cause you to move cost of living political corruption and a lack of feeling connected to the community What I mean by political corruption are three things. One, uh, networks of bribes and graft that continue to go on within the political city machine. Number two is the way that local business contracts are doled out, particularly to preferential businesses based upon who they know in City Hall. And three is the way that City Hall is connected to the broader Democratic Party and the lack of Democratic diversity that you get within the Philadelphia city establishment. I think kids... I hate to say it, but I think just like schools, you know, there's obviously an issue with public schools in Philly, and I think that that, if anything, would be what would drive us away, sadly. I don't want to leave, but... (laughs) Let's hope you don't have to. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Chris, our guiding light of a host here at 20 by 70. Fear not, I'll be sure to have a margarita for you. Wasting away. Thanks, Sophie. Clearly, being the roving producer for this 20 by 70 podcast has some perks, such as hanging out at one of Philly's best places to be on a warm spring day. I'm Chris Satula, and I'm back here at our studio at the Annenberg Public Policy Center on the Penn campus, where we have some serious matters to discuss, such as demographics, statistical analysis, and public policy. Or to put it another way, Philadelphia's perennial millennial questions, such as who are they, what do they bring, what do they want, how can we keep them, and do we want to keep them? Joining us to ponder these weighty matters is Mark Dent. Mark is a writer for the Billy Penn Digital News Operation, which is pretty much the first serious journalistic outlet in the city that was expressly made for the millennials by the millennials of the millennials. Welcome, Mark. Chris, thanks for having me on. 
Uh, recently, Mark, you've done a couple of pieces uh, that delve into the statistics about millennials. Yeah. Tell us about the piece you did about the Trulia numbers. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, Trulia came out with some data where they looked at how many people were moving away from several big cities in the United States. And um, there was some encouraging news in there. While a lot of millennials are moving, young people move from every big city all the time. It's just what young people do. There's a lot of people who are going away from college, people who are getting a job after college, et cetera. So it's a very transient population. But the good news for Philadelphia is that millennials are moving away at a slightly lower rate than they are out of cities like, say, New York, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and a lot of other peer cities. And truly, we should mention, is the real estate website, so they're keeping um, pretty close track of this. Do you have any sense of why Philadelphia's numbers on retaining millennials would be a little better than some of the other glitzier cities? Well, I think the biggest indicator here, based on the data that they had, is living expenses. Um, as we know, Philadelphia, compared to the rest of the East Coast and compared to the West Coast as well, is is less expensive. And what they were finding was that people were moving out of places like New York and San Francisco because it was just unaffordable. You don't run into that same problem in Philadelphia. While there are a whole host of other factors that contribute to younger people leaving the city, cost is generally not one of them. So let's move the camera back a bit from those Trulia numbers, Mark. You're working for Billy Penn, your target audience, your news philosophy is about covering the issues and providing news with kind of the tone and the way that millennials prefer. What are the key issues for the millennial audience in terms of their decision to stay or to go? The one thing that I've noticed in my time here and talking to people for stories, talking to friends I've met, is that people who live in Philadelphia, they really, really enjoy it. It's a fun city to be in. There's a lot of things to do. It's inexpensive, which also helps. But I, I think what I keep hearing over and over are a couple of things. And, and the first is education. People worry about when they have kids that what schools are they going to send them to when, when most Philadelphia public schools are struggling. I've had conversations with you know some people who are in their mid-30s and are married and getting ready to settle down. They're like, we have to find like the ultimate house in one of like three neighborhoods in Philadelphia because they don't think that they'd be able to find a good school anywhere else. As a society, we've had like the, oh, you, you live in the city for a while, then you get older, you have kids, and you move out to the suburbs. A lot of millennials' parents did that, and I think it's something that even their grandparents might have done after uh, World War II. It, it's been like that for 50 years, and so it might take a while for that trend to fade out if it ever does. What do you hear about city services and just the, the degree to which what the city does or doesn't do impacts quality of life? I think that people are not a big fan of city services. <laughs> the people who really pay attention to it, they think there's a little too much red tape. And, and I, I think those who really pay attention know that the city is trying, and it's a lot better than it was several years ago. But I, I still think it's really just education, uh, first and foremost, is, is the biggest thing. And then obviously jobs. Um, if people can keep their jobs here, that that's a, a really good thing. Um, but But I also think it's important to note that you know, when we talk about millennials, there's like there's so many different ways to classify them. I think when you hear that term millennials, you just think of the college educated, relatively wealthy, lives in center city or at least in a nearby neighborhood. And so that's, you know, that's obviously a small percentage of millennials in Philadelphia. The great majority are not college educated and, and do not live in center city. And then to break it up even further, I think you have millennials who are really plugged in and, and know what's going on 
in uh, city government and city life. But I think that's also a minority. I think the great majority of millennials, they don't pay attention to any of that stuff. For them, it's more of just like, do I have a job here? Am I having fun? And can I afford it? And so that's why they're staying. And then that will change as they get a little older and maybe have families, of course. So if you're running the city of Philadelphia, what other issues are you thinking about with regard to, you know, to the degree to which an influx of millennials is a positive for the city and you want to retain them? What are the other points besides better schools? Jobs is is clearly a big one. And I, I do think it bothers people like the high tax rates and some of the business taxes. People who are plugged in to an extent see these as not being good for job creation and not being good for getting companies to move in here or stay here. Or to um, start up your own business. Yeah, it's not a great That's also, and there was actually a study last week that Philadelphia did finally crack a top 10 list as, as one of the top places to um, start your own company. But there was a negative of, I, I believe it was something like, people are not always ready to hear new ideas. Yeah, I was just going to reach for the champagne when you said that, but then immediately, <laughs> but with a negative. Yeah. So, so it, yeah, it's like um, when you look at some other cities, like I actually lived in Dallas before I lived in Philadelphia, and certainly Philadelphia, culture-wise, is a far better place. It's a much bigger city. There's a lot more fun things to do. But Dallas has, like, all of these major corporations that are there, and it's, I think, the seventh or eighth largest city in the U.S. Philadelphia is the fifth largest And you'd think that Philadelphia would have a few more of these huge companies here, which bring in a lot of young people and a lot of jobs that it just doesn't. I've heard it often expressed that millennials having come of age, you know, frequently during the Great Recession, um, have very different expectations about the job market. They don't expect to have a career with one company. They expect that they need to be able to jump every couple of years um, to further themselves. So is that part of the problem with Philadelphia when millennials look at it, there just isn't that breadth and depth in whatever field they're in that they feel like they can move around like you can other I, places? I think that is also a problem and, and probably with most other cities as well. But when I, I graduated in 2009 and the first year right after like the 07 and 08 financial crisis, so it was just jobs were really tough to come by. I had a lot of people graduating who they didn't have a job for months or maybe even a year after they graduated. And so You don't take for granted the fact that you have a job, but you're also right in that we always think there's some other job out there that might be better or maybe not better, but just, oh, I can move to this place and get a job. Of all my close friends, I I can think of maybe one or two who have had the same job since they graduated, you know, six or seven years ago, whereas in past generations, it would be you have one job for 20 or 30 years or maybe even longer. And so I, I, I do think that also contributes to to people leaving Philadelphia. So we've been talking with Mark Dent, who's reporter curator, I think that's the that's title. That's correct, yeah. For Billy Penn, which is Philadelphia's mobile first news site. Thanks very much for joining us, Mark. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Again, I'm Chris Satula, and thanks for listening to our podcast, 20 by 70. And now let me bring into the discussion the man who runs the Committee of 70, David Thornburg. Chris, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, David. You know, David, we heard Mark Dent of Billy Penn talk about uh, the various issues that are going to matter to millennials when they make that stair-go decision. I think Mark quite properly said schools are a leading-edge one, but um, you and I both believe that in maybe ways that aren't as dramatic or as clear-cut as schools, that the whole issue of petty corruption in government, integrity, and how that affects services and the brand of the city is also a factor. Yeah, I would think of it as it's almost kind of a silent killer Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it drags down not only your 
civic spirit, but I think it actually has a direct impact on the economic environment and job creation and so forth and so on. And uh, there's been a lot of news recently. Right. I feel like when visitors come from out of town, I want to hide the front page from them because I don't want them to see the latest news. But, you know, yeah. maybe we should run down the list a little bit. Sure. Uh, most recently, we're in the middle of three things. Uh, our longtime uh, U.S. Congressman Chaka Fattah is on trial, a federal trial, uh, facing a, a series of allegations around a very complicated seeming uh, scheme to accept and launder campaign contributions and repay those with tax dollars. Mm -hmm. We have a still-to-be-totally-unfolded story around John Esty, who was uh, Governor Rendell's chief of staff and a kind of a go-to civic and political lawyer who's pled guilty to wire fraud charges, but what's got everybody on edge is that he was wearing a wire under instructions from the FBI for about five years. Yeah, that's everybody checking their phone logs going, hmm, <laughs> when did I last talk to John Esther? Yeah, so that story isn't uh, quite over. And then we have this kind of new one on me uh, where a state senator, Larry Farnese, was accused of bribery charges by the Justice Department for – contributing college tuition to one of his committee people in the ward that he represented in order to secure that person's vote for a ward leader. A ward leader. Right. But this is this is discouraging and debilitating to me. It's, right. And uh, this comes on the heels of the sting operation that caught a bunch of Philadelphia lawmakers taking very small bribes for bribes nonetheless. This is what I call it. the petty thieves. Right. If you're selling your office for $1,000 here or there or a new mm -hmm. watch or some jewelry, then you know we've reached a new level. Okay. All very discouraging. You have a United States congressman. You have a state senator who, oh, by the way, replaced another state senator, Vince Fumo, who went to jail on corruption charges. You have the whole crew of um, state lawmakers who were caught up in the sting operation. Then at the state level, you have the many things going on with Attorney General Kane. You have Rob McCord, the uh, state treasurer, who also pled guilty to offenses involving campaign donations. It just goes on and on. But when I look at that whole list, David, I notice, and I think you notice something as well about who's in these corruption cases and who's not. Yeah, what's really striking, and I think this has kind of started to percolate in people's minds, is that almost none, or maybe even none, if you check the record, of these offenses or these violations or these lapses in integrity have occurred uh, in the city of Philadelphia government itself, of uh, employees of, of the city government doesn't count city council, which works on its own set of rules or lack thereof, doesn't count the folks that work for the state legislature or other state offices. But to his great credit, Michael Nutter, when he was in office, instituted some significant changes in the rules and I think promoted a sense of ethics and integrity and leadership. Heck, a Committee of 70 actually gave him an award, mm -hmm. and we're pretty stingy with awards. We gave him an award last year recognizing that. And he also hired terrific people as his inspector general and created a new office called the chief integrity officer, which is very rare in government circles. So put all that together, and it is remarkable and laughable, perhaps, to the rest of the folks in Pennsylvania who you know, like to see Philadelphia as Sodom and Gomorrah by the Delaware. But it is, it is striking about how clean – that last administration was. And so far, I think Mayor Kenny has given every indication of 
continuing to hit those now, He's made a point, and uh, one of the first things he came out and said was he was going to keep the Office of Chief Integrity Officer, who is basically somebody who tries to prevent anybody from running afoul of the rules, and then if they do, the Inspector General will crack down on them. The other thing is that whole superstructure of integrity enforcement is built on the foundation of changes in campaign finance rules in Philadelphia that Michael Nutter, when he was on council, and Jim Kenney, the current mayor, when he was on council, helped push through. Yeah. We have strict and, I think, reasonable limits on campaign contributions, both from individuals and from corporate PACs. And we also have very strict, some would say overly strict, rules about how companies can even be eligible for city contracts if they've made campaign contributions. So put all that together, and they don't solve all problems for all time, but I think they accomplished what they set out to accomplish. They reduced the influence of big money contributions on politics. You just can't write a $50,000 check to a candidate anymore. And they severed the tie between the pay and the play, the contribution and the contract, neither of which exists to nearly the same extent in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. That's what's got people, I think, intrigued at right. this point in time. Right. So hear that sound, David. That's me positioning my soapbox so that I, I can get on, too. I, I just want to underline that last point that you made. Pennsylvania is, in the context of the 50 states, pretty much the Wild West of campaign finance. There are, like, literally almost no rules. A few years ago, a grand jury that was impaneled to look at Bonusgate and some of the other scandals that happened in Harrisburg. Essentially, if you read that grand jury's report, they said the thing that shocked us most was not what was done that was illegal, but what's still legal in the state of Pennsylvania. Meanwhile, as you say, contrary to all expectation or stereotype, there's this one little island of care and strong rules about campaign finance, and it's the city of Philadelphia. And what that says to me, and this is where I stand, you know, to even my, taller on yeah, the by full five foot ten on the soapbox. To me, it says that those who say ah, it's just politics, there's nothing you can do, it's always going to be like that, actually no. It is a matter of will, and it is a matter of choice. If you choose to have stricter regulations, and if you choose to put strong people in place to enforce them, you can actually affect a measurable and visible change in the conduct of government. Not that everything's fixed in Philly, but they aren't marching off in handcuffs from City Hall now. Okay, so I'm done now. I'm going to get off my soapbox and leave it to you to take us home, Dave. Bravo and well done, Chris. Thank you. So I guess my takeaway from what we've seen and learned is that leadership matters. Leadership of Mayor Nutter and and we'll trust uh, Mayor Kenny. And leadership defined in this way, that they're setting a tone and an expectation for the kind of people and the kind of judgments that people make in office. And then they're reinforcing that tone with a set of simple rules. Here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. So there's an architecture of integrity that's that I think we've been able to build. But good for Philadelphia. The rest of the Commonwealth should take notice. We should stand up a little straighter and continue to raise that set of expectations. That's David Thornburg, CEO of the Committee of 70. And before we head into the final stretch of this, our third episode of the 20 by 70 podcast from the Committee of 70, let me take care of some of the usual business. I'm Chris Satulo, your host. 
And as always, our producer is the fabulous Sophie Reed. We also, as usual, are producing this from the studios of the Annenberg Public Policy Center. And we want to thank our tremendous audio engineer, Jeremy Quattlebaum. Also, thanks to our guest for today, Mark Dent, a writer and curator with the Philly Penn mobile news site in Philly. As always, we're interested in your thoughts on the podcast and on the issues that we've discussed here. So if you want to share them with us, send it to our new email, which is podcast at 70, spelled out 70, not the numeral, 70.org. So now we're going to end in the way we always like to end, with a few words of wisdom, exhortation, and analysis from the CEO of the Community of 70, David Thorberg. So here it is, your moment of City Zen. If you listened this far, you've heard us talking about public corruption and the migratory patterns of millennials. You may be thinking to yourself, what exactly does one have to do with the other? Isn't one of these things not like the other? Are the folks at 70 just stringing together random thoughts these days? No, really. There's method in this madness. Allow me to explain. Our belief about public corruption is it's just one element in the overall culture of our city and region. What else belongs in the bucket? Well, our attitude about our sports teams, about business, about individual success and failure, about risk and reward. All these things bundled together, along with the package of jobs, schools, houses and apartments, taxes, transportation options, and quality of life, is what we offer anyone who's shopping Philadelphia, whether they're visitors, students, tourists, investors, or just plain folks. Here's where the plot thickens. If we tolerate public corruption, we send a message that Philadelphia is an insular town, a sizable but still stagnant pond. We're signaling that if you want to get something done, want a shot at a job, want to attract investment for your startup, you need to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. In other words, the rules don't matter, the merits don't matter, you just got to know who the gatekeeper is and take care of the gatekeeper. It's an attitude that frustrates and repels outsiders who feel like they need to learn an entirely new language and set of customs in order to thrive in our fair city. And here's why this matters. Ever heard the saying, demography is destiny, I should note, attributed to an obscure French philosopher? Philadelphia's economic fortunes will rise or fall on our ability to attract and retain two critical populations. First, Smart, educated, entrepreneurial young people looking to build their careers and families. And second, immigrants from other countries moving from oppression and denial to freedom and opportunity. If we play the game, as we've played it in the past, that succeeding in Philadelphia requires a secret handshake, a new language, relationships, rather than following the rules of the game, we're hurting our chances big time. Those people who have lots of choices to make, will end up somewhere else where the path to accomplishment is straighter, shorter, and more knowable. Well, lest you think I'm earnest and naive, I'm totally with founding father James Madison, who said that if men were angels, no government would be necessary. There will always be men, why is it almost always men, who will shake down the system for their own benefit. The good news, as Chris and I noted earlier, is the new rules of the game, spoken and unspoken, that Mayor Nutter instituted here have made a difference. It seems Mayor Kenny will play by those rules as well, and they set a great example for the Commonwealth and other parts of government. 
Slowly but surely, we can rid ourselves of the Philly shrug that tolerates the way things are around here and open up a new set of possibilities for our future. I'm David Thornburg for the Committee of 70. Drop me a line at dthornburg at 70.org and let me know what you think.